brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Football 24-7 across the Jacob Media YouTube channel with NFL insider John McMullen, coordinator day today as the team turns the page following the game on Sunday. I guess there was some conversation about Sunday, and then we begin to look ahead uh, to week number eight and the Detroit Lions again on the road. Eagles will be in Detroit, all presented by Stateside Vodka. Pay attention um, and use the code JACOB on statesidevodka.com and you'll get 15% uh, off of a Stateside Vodka soda. So use it for the Stateside Vodka soda. You'll get 15% off. Johnny Mack on Coordinator Day. Sarah, how are you? Uh, I'm doing well, Krause. Yeah, I think uh, we all could have used a little stateside vodka after Sunday's game. John, I want to start today's football 24-7 with a math quiz for you. Uh Uh-oh. This could be trouble. How many hours are in – how many minutes are in an hour? 60, as far as I know. (laughs) You're correct. 450,000 hours times 60 minutes equals what? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You're putting me on the spot. I'm going to say you know. I do know the answer. And believe me, I had to use a calculator. What what was it again? 450,000 times 60 minutes. All right, so let's break it down to 45 times 6, and that would be, uh, so 270, uh, so I don't know, somewhere, how many how many zeros are we putting on there? Well, you can call One, it. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 5, 0, you can equal 6, that. 27 million minutes of <laughs> I was consumption. Close. I got you were close. 27 million minutes of consumption 
on the Jacob Media YouTube channel. And I want to thank all of our viewers, subscribers, and those that get engaged uh, by liking and sharing all of the content beginning with Birds 365 and ending every night with football 24-7. And Johnny Mac, thank you. That's a lot of work, man. That's a lot of minutes of consumption. Wow, 27 million, you said? 27 million. Wow. Yeah, that's a big number. Really, right. really good stuff. So now that I got that out of the way, and I don't take that lightly, um, I say thank you. Let's jump into uh, bullet points from Coordinator's Day today. I'm sure uh, that the defensive coordinator, uh, Jonathan Gannon, was asked about the comments from Fletcher Cox that were made post-game. Yes, and what did he say? Yeah, he was, and uh, Jonathan handled it uh, pretty well, uh, as well as could be expected. I, I think, you know, the, the comments were pretty pointed from Fletcher. Um, and he basically just called him an unselfish player trying to win uh, and uh, he doesn't hold it against him. But he did mention that it was, you know, fueled out of the emotion of the game, you know, right after the game, which is true. Um, I think if it were at a different time of the week, Fletcher would have probably, you know, come down a little bit after that emotion. Uh, but clearly, and this has happened way before the Raiders game, he is not happy with with this with how he's being used in this defense and this is what happens when you have veteran players coming off a coaching staff that they had a lot of success with and if you think about Fletcher Cox specifically look at it this way it's a guy if you think about the five years of Doug Peterson and Jim Schwartz made five Pro Bowls made the playoffs three times won a Super Bowl in that system. So from Fletcher Cox's perspective, you look at things like, well, I did pretty well under that system. Why don't you use me like that? And that's why sometimes when you make a coaching change, it's such a huge decision and it has reverberations all across the organization from support staff to things fans don't even think about people losing their jobs that aren't even a part of the coaching staff, for instance. Um, from the player's perspective, you think about, you know, sometimes they want their own guys in there. And from the other perspective, from the coaching, the new coaching staff's perspective, sometimes you got to deal with players that are loyal to the old coaching staff. And ultimately what happens is things roll over pretty quickly. And, the veteran players tend to move on and go in a different direction. I think you're seeing the genesis of that with the Eagles and the veteran players that are left. And there aren't many of them from the Super Bowl era, from the Super Bowl season. Look, these guys, you know, I look at Jason Kelsey on the offensive side of the ball, same thing. He's not happy. He showed his frustration, didn't verbalize it, showed his frustration on the field. They're going to have to turn the page on these guys uh, next season and go in a different direction. And it happens all the time. 
All you have to do is look at the AFC North and the history of the AFC North. You have the Pittsburgh Steelers, who've had three coaches since 1968. Think about that. Three coaches since 1968. When Mike Tomlin goes in the Hall of Fame, and he will go in the Hall of Fame, all three of them will be Hall of Fame coaches. Mike, uh, Chuck Knoll, Bill Cower, Mike Tomlin. That's it. You look in the same division, the history of the Cleveland Browns, change coaches every year or two. They were an abject disaster. They finally started to turn things around a little bit with Kevin Stefanski last year. Hopefully they learn from their mistake this time, uh, but we'll see. The worst thing in the NFL is upheaval. The best thing in the NFL is continuity. You're seeing the results of upheaval. It gets ugly. Doesn't mean it can't get better. But Jeffrey Lurie should learn from this. You should learn from the Andy Reid era. Continuity, continuity, continuity. Football 24-7 with John McMullen. I keep hearing... Barrett Brooks going back to training camp in many different conversations when he was analyzing the new head coach, head coach Nick Sirianni, and he was talking about veteran players and his thought, and I'm obviously paraphrasing from, uh, from my memory, But his thought, John, was that veteran players will follow you and buy in if you can prove to them that you can make them better. And I guess that matches up with what you just said, using Fletcher and Jason as examples. Yeah, uh Barrett's exactly right, as you imagine he would be as a former player. I mean, players constantly said, look, the only thing they care about when it comes to coaches is, are you making me a better player? Um, Fletcher thinks right now he's not a better player than he was under Jim Swartz. Um, And he's not. He's not performing. But in a lot of ways, it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy because you're upset, you're not being – you're not playing what you want to play, which is three technique. He plays a lot of three technique, but he also plays some five techniques, some three, some four eye technique. He doesn't like it. Um, and he doesn't like it. And that manifests itself on the field. He's not performing like Fletcher Cox. Um, so there's a part, there's a give and take there. But I will say if you're a young coach, And you want the players to buy in. You got to get the veteran players on board. And on the Eagles defense, the two guys you got to get on board with this group are Fletcher Cox. Well, there were three, but Brandon Graham is hurt. Fletcher Cox, Brandon Graham, Darius Slay. He has not gotten Fletcher Cox and Darius Slay on board with this scheme. And it's a mistake. Um, but if they're not going to buy in, they're not going to buy in anyway. So 
you know, the thought process is when you get, when you're ready to get good again, those guys probably aren't going to be here anyway. So if you're Howie Roseman after this season, you got to start thinking about getting out of the Fletcher Cox and Darius Slay business. Because they're not firing the coaching staff. People can forget about that. They're not firing this coaching staff. They're going to be here. They're going to be given two years minimum. Um, And again, depending on Jeffrey Lurie's ego. Now, could that change? Well, they're two, two and five. If they go two and 15, yeah, they might fire them. But they're not going to go two and 15. They're going to be here. They're going to be given a chance. And if you're not going to get on board, well, you might as well start looking in other directions. Well, which begs the question, since we're knocking on the door of the trade deadline, do you think there's conversation, John, about Fletcher, for example, or or, or no? Well, there's conversations. If anybody picks up the phone, uh, Howie Roseman will talk to you, except the reporters. (laughs) But (laughs) uh, he'll talk to anybody. Um, But, you know, Fletcher makes so much money. That's a really difficult deal to do in season. Um, That would be more of an issue probably for the off season. So yeah, they're going to be talking about players. Um, a lot of players leading up to November 2nd, but it's going to be players like Joe Flacco. I bought, you know, Joe's not going to be here next year, right? Even if he stayed. So, you know, you, you get a six round pick that can turn into a fifth round pick. Why not? You have Gardner Minshew. You just bump him up to be the backup. And, it's not that big of a deal. Now you start thinking if they lose to the Lions, for instance, well, pull the plug on any potential playoff hopes at that point, even if you haven't pulled the plug, which you should have. But nonetheless, Steve Nelson playing well for the most part, uh, veteran corner, one-year deal. If you can move him, if you can, get, he's not going to be here next year, most likely. Anthony Harris. It's not going to be here. He's hurt right now, so that complicates things. Eric Wilson, if you can dump him on somebody, dump him. So, yeah, they'll be talking about players like that. But anytime you have the big contracts, Fletcher, Derek Barnett would be even more uh, likely to be moved because he's on the final year of his deal. Again, they're not bringing him back, but he makes too much money. So, that complicates things. John, I want to ask you about Alex Singleton. And and I'm trying, and I'm, I'm sure you're going to be able to explain it. I'm trying to understand why Alex Singleton, a year ago, when he got on the field, he was not, they couldn't take him off the field. They couldn't get him off. What is the difference between Alex Singleton 2020 and Alex Singleton 
2021? Um, I think he's um, playing like everybody else. Uh, another guy playing out of position and doing things he's not as comfortable with. Uh, the strength of Alex is, is uh, he's very instinctive. Um, uh, it's very quick sideline to sideline. Um, you, you want him running downhill uh, while the defensive tackles tie up blockers uh, and him playing on the weak side. And then he's going to get a lot of tackles. Now he's being asked to be a cover two linebacker, which is about pass coverage, uh, about uh, ability to stay with receivers, ability to understand zone drops. And that's not his strength as a player. So, you know, so again, we can talk about Fletcher Cox. We can talk about Alex Singleton. We can talk about Darius Slay and people are going to jump down and believe me, I've heard about it and they jump it down uh, Jonathan Gannon's throat. Um, well, he's not using these guys correctly. Um, yeah, he's probably not. Although, guess what? Darius Slay is having a better year this year than he had last year. Um, so it's not like they have to be playing uh, more poorly than they did last year. Fletcher is, Alex is, Darius isn't. So right there you have an example of three different players not playing what they want to play, not playing what they're used to playing necessarily. In the case of Alex, he's not as entrenched as those two. Um, but it's interesting because Alex seems to like playing better. He, he seems to like this defense better than Jim Schwartz's defense. So it's it's kind of an opposite disconnect. Um, he enjoys the more varied nature of this defense than Jim Schwartz's defense, but he's not performing as well. So it all comes down to the individual. Um, but the bottom line is the Eagles linebackers are just a disaster. Um, and to me, that's personnel related more than anything else. Because I can tell you, I, I've never seen, I'm sure it's happened before. I can't. Uh, keep an eye on all 32 teams these days, but I've never seen a defensive coordinator rotate five different linebackers in the modern era where you only play two. I mean, he's rotating everybody, trying to figure out somebody who can play, and none of them are performing. And I'm talking about Alex, Eric Wilson, TJ Edwards, um, Davion Taylor, even Sean Bradley at times. I mean, that's that's directly in the lap of Howie Roseman. And how many times have we talked about the Eagles and linebackers? You got to go back to Jerry Robinson in 19, the 1970s for the last time they took a linebacker in the first round of this draft. You can listen to Seth Joyner all over the place. It's one of the great linebackers in the history of this franchise complaining about it. Football's changed. Linebacker isn't nearly as important as it once was. But those two things aren't mutually exclusive. 
because it's not as important as it once was, doesn't mean you can do what the Eagles do and completely ignore the position. Completely. Think about Eric Wilson, undrafted, coming out of college, signs a one-year deal. Um, Alex Singleton, undrafted, coming out of college, goes to the CFL, makes something of himself. Um, TJ Edwards, undrafted. Davion Taylor's a third-round pick, incredibly raw, not ready to play. Sean Bradley's a sixth-round pick. Where are the assets used at this position? It should be no surprise that these linebackers can't play like Bobby Wagner and Devin White and Eric Kendricks and all the great linebackers in this league. You got to, you got to, you got to put assets into the position and get something to help the defensive coordinator can help the defensive coaches. I mean, same thing with Jim Swartz. It's no different. It's been this way for years with the Eagles. They do not value the position to the point of absurdity. I agree with them to a point and say, you're right. It's not as important as an edge rusher or a defensive tackle or a corner or a safety. It is. It's last on the defensive side of the ball now. But it doesn't mean you can completely ignore it. Amazing. Football 24-7 with NFL insider John McMullen across the Jacob Media YouTube channel. So much to unpack uh, in that conversation. It's going to take me 24 hours until we come back tomorrow to try and process everything you just said. I don't I don't get it. I, I, I don't understand it. Modern NFL or not, if the linebacker position is not valued at all, it's still important. It's still an important part of the defense. Whether it's whether it's valued or not, you can have the best front four. Uh, if you don't have linebackers, or you don't, as you said, put assets into it, you have an Achilles heel. An Achilles heel is going to lead to exposure. Exposure is going to lead to being exploited. Exploited is going to lead to long drives and touchdowns. Yeah, and I I would say of you know it's interesting because of where where uh, Jonathan Gannon. Uh, comes from you think about Indianapolis well Indianapolis had Darius Leonard who's one of the best uh, coverage linebackers in this league Um, before that he was at Minnesota where they have Eric Kendricks who might be the best coverage linebacker in this league Um, (laughs) you look around the league and you see the as I mentioned, the Bobby Wagners, Logan Wilson had an opportunity. He's turned into a real good player. Uh, they had an opportunity to draft him a couple years ago. Wasn't good enough for him. We talk about Micah Parsons in Dallas now. Uh, he's a rookie, but you can see the talent. Uh, Devin White, anybody who watched the Super Bowl, that guy's phenomenal. You saw Fred Warner earlier this year with San Francisco. Levante David, you missed. The Buccaneers have two two great linebackers. Um, they're the Super Bowl champions. <laughs> you know, I mean, I, I, it, it's like, you know, on the offensive side of the ball, running back is linebacker. 
But, you know, you'd like to have Derrick Henry. Tennessee's not complaining. Trust me. When he's running for 200 yards and destroying people's defenses, um, you you still see the point of, of really good running backs, whether it's Dalvin Cook or 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 uh, Aaron Jones, what he's turned to in Green Bay, and Christian McCaffrey, if he ever gets healthy again. Um, Ezekiel Elliott uh, it seems to be back to a certain degree for the for the Dallas Cowboys. Um, it's still meaningful. You look at Cleveland and their running game with Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb when he's healthy. Um, you know, it still matters for some teams. That's for sure. Seems to matter for the teams that are winning. I mean, yeah, I, I mean, I, there's a lot of different ways to win. Look, it, it, and here's my problem with the Eagles from an organizational perspective. We're probably getting too deep here. They, I would say they like to be innovative. They like to be considered. It's very important to them for people to say they're innovative. But they're really not innovative because they really go along with the current trends. For instance, I, I just talked about um, – the linebackers and the last linebacker they drafted in the first round. You got to go all the way back to the 1970s. Now, Howie Roseman isn't a part of that entire gener- generations, plural. There are a lot of different executives. Jeffrey Laurie only owned the team for just over a quarter century. That predates him. Um, but in 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 the Laurie Roseman era. They don't like running backs. You know, we always talk about, well, we'll do these mock drafts. You can cross running back off. You can cross linebacker off in the first round. <clears throat> There's exceptions to that rule. Christian McCaffrey, I talk about it all the time. In 2017, the Eagles were going to draft Christian McCaffrey if he fell to them. But he's a different kind of running back. He's very unique. He's a better route runner than most receivers. So they're looking for these unique unicorn type players. If that ever came up at the linebacker position, maybe they would take a linebacker, but they're too obsessed with what I just said, those value charts. Well, you can't take a linebacker Mm -hmm. here. You can't take a, a, a running back here. Sometimes the player overrides it. And if you get Derrick Henry, you know, who cares if he's a running back? Take a good football player. Take a good football player and go about winning a little bit differently. Devin White's a perfect example of that with Tampa Bay. That's a top 10 pick at linebacker. That's that's ballsy if you're the Buccaneers to take a top 10 um I forget exactly what number I can look it up, but that's very, very ballsy to say, you know what? In the modern NFL, this kid's so talented. I'm going to take him number five. That's what he was. Number five overall, number five. All of a sudden you're a couple years down the road and you're winning a Super Bowl, and he got a chance to win a second. There's different ways to do things. They found a quarterback a different way. 
They didn't have to get a quarterback, number five overall. They said, what? Yep, Tom Brady's available. He's 160 years old. So what? We're ready to win if we get a quarterback. So maybe go out and get Russell Wilson. Maybe go out and get Aaron Rodgers. Maybe go about it a different way. Eagles don't think that way. Good stuff from John McMullen tonight. Football 24-7 here on the Jacob Media YouTube channel. Don't want to run out of time uh, uh, tonight before uh, I ask you uh, uh, from the offensive side of the football. I'm assuming Shane Steichen talks uh, in the coordinator day, but I don't know what he talks about. Yeah, you know, well, Shane because, is... because Nick runs the offense and Nick focuses in on the play calling. So I'm not sure Shane's name never comes up, but. Well, his name rarely comes up because Shane doesn't say much. Um, you know, uh, I'm going to, uh, I just pulled up the transcript. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19 questions. Uh, he got asked today and, you know, he gives a one or two sentence answer and he's just one of those coaches that isn't going to give you a lot of information. Um, he's a nice guy, but I'm, I mean, it's all coach speak and you don't hear much talk about it because he doesn't say much. He doesn't like Jonathan Gannon, for instance, you know, if there's anybody who should have went in the shell, Today, it's JG. He didn't. He went up there and he answered the questions like he usually does. He was, I joked about it, his usual ebullient self. Good morning, Tuesday. Happy Tuesday. He's the most energetic guy in the world. You're not going to get him down. Um, They're struggling, but Shane Steichen goes about it a little bit of a different way. uh, And he just doesn't give you much information. So that's why you don't hear people talking about him. Hmm. Anything out of those 19 questions, well, 19 good questions, anything at all, the call, the, the penalty, the anything at all, nothing. Uh, but he gives you, you know, I, he, my question was, you know, what, what was the thought process uh, coming into the game, the game plan where they went under center with Chandler Hertz and handed the football off to Miles Sanders. Was that about, I asked him, was that about getting Miles involved or was it about something you saw about the, the Raiders? Um, he said we wanted to get the running game going a little bit. And then he goes into, I thought Miles did a heck of a job on that first drive. And that's what you get from him. That, you know, What Brady, is the update, uh, John, on Miles Sanders? Miles is week to week. He's he's uh, The Eagles haven't ruled him out just yet, but it's very, very unlikely uh, he's going to play against the Lions. Anytime you hear that week-to-week designation, that's generally going to be multiple weeks. Um, in Miles' case, it could have been worse. I'm hearing two to three weeks. Um, uh, so he's not going to be here uh, against the Lions on Sunday. That's uh, It's going to be Boston Scott, Kenny Gainwell. Maybe they elevate uh, Jordan Howard from the practice squad for the game. Uh, but don't expect Miles Sanders on Sunday. Yeah, if you watched him when he was getting carted off, the look on his face kind of said, you know, he was in a lot of pain, it looked like, when they were taking him off the field. Uh, How did our buddy Lane Johnson 
uh, come out of uh, the game on Sunday? Uh, he actually missed the last three plays. I think it was three. Um, he got his foot stepped on. So it wasn't serious. He just tweeted, as a matter of fact. Glad to be back out there with my brothers. Uh, hashtag unfinished business. So Lane is fine from a, a health perspective, uh, and he should be playing uh, on Sunday. John, uh, last thing uh, uh, on Jordan Mylotta. Uh wanted to ask you about his play yesterday when you did a little bit of a deep dive after the game uh, on Sunday. What are you seeing? Are you seeing some weakness in his <clears throat> game a little bit, the speed of the game? What are you seeing from Jordan Mylotta? Well, I mean, when, when Jordan, you know, I mean, I think people expect too much of Jordan. I, he's not uh, – he, he's, he's a very good player. It's almost astonishing how good he is uh, for – his lack of experience in the game of football as a whole. Um, when he does have trouble, uh, it's usually with speed rushers. And Yannick Ndakwe is one of the best speed rushers in football. Um, and that's one you really, Ndakwe is really poor against the run. You know, so I would have looked at that if I were the Eagles offensive coaching staff and said, I'm going to, I'm going to let Jordan get off the football uh, against Ndokwe and beat him up because he can do that. But if you're going to sit back there and let that guy rush, he's, he's going to beat you with that speed on occasion. I think overall Jordan is playing very well. Um, he will, as I said, you know, if you're expecting him to be, to be perfect, he's not going to be perfect against speed rushers. So um, that's just part of it. When you're six foot eight and <clears throat> 380 pounds, you know, if somebody's 255 pounds and shot out of a gun, like a bullet coming around the corner, he's going to beat you occasionally, but you're also going to bully that type of player as well in the running game. If the Eagles ran the football, <laughs> Back they wonder with the quarterback. Back to work tomorrow. All eyes, all cameras, all cell phones on QB2 tomorrow. Back Mustache is relevant again. <laughs> yes, sir. Johnny Mac, great stuff. Uh, football 24-7 with NFL insider John McMullen back on the road uh, this week out to Detroit for week number eight. We'll cover it all. We'll be right back here tomorrow, all presented by Stateside Vodka. Again, go to statesidevodka.com. Use that keyword, Jacob, 15% off of the Stateside Vodka Soda, four flavors in the vodka soda pack. Use Jacob and get 15% off. Johnny Mac, great stuff, brother. Thank you, man. All right. Thanks, Cross. All right. See you next time, everybody. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. 
Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.